I, I think that a lot of um, my photographic improvements are to do with my personal improvements. So I think that as you grow in understanding of yourself and you become more self-aware, then your photography naturally improves. And that might seem like people who are listening to this might be going, what is she talking about? But but actually, I, I think that when you... This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are going to one of the most profoundly beautiful spots on the entire planet. Uh, yes, that's a biased opinion. I've been there. It has stirred my soul every single time. We are going to the highlands and the coasts of Scotland, and we're talking with Margaret Soroya. Margaret is a magnificent landscape photographer, um, does weddings as well, but primarily landscape and shores and seascapes and stuff. Margaret has been awarded four years running the Master Photographer Association Travel and Landscape Photographer of the Year Award. And in 2017, she became the overall Scottish Master Photographer of the Year. Quite an achievement in in a place that is a mecca for photographers from all over the planet. Margaret, welcome. How are you doing this morning? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you for inviting me along. Well, th- this is going to be thrilling because landscape photography is close to my heart and it has a remarkable power to really stir the soul, uh, I think, to, you know, to really say something about who we are, both as artists and but also as audience, you know, to look at a landscape image and, and feel your imagination and your heart turn over in new ways. You, however, you know, you're, you're coming at this from a position of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a term that we're hearing a lot in, in terms of photography these days. So tell, tell us what you mean. What does mindfulness mean for you? And, and how does that attach itself to, to your approach to landscape photography? Yeah, sure. So I think that um, mindfulness, as you say, it's a bit of a uh, it's a buzzword at the moment, isn't it? And I think there's a lot of people who don't quite understand what we what we mean by it. So I think you can, if we bring it back down to to earth, almost in terms of photography, photography is actually like the physical manifestation of mindfulness. So mindfulness is about being in the moment and um, appreciating what's and noticing what's there in front of you without any preconceptions of creating like amazing work or anything. The important bit is it, it's taking time to go and to wander outdoors and to look as if you're seeing it with fresh eyes and to be in that moment. Now, for me, it's it's important from, um, I suppose, from a well-being aspect, because I think that when I'm out shooting, I get completely absorbed in that moment. And when you come at it from a, a health aspect um, it is probably one of the best things that you can do for your well-being. So that's whether it's mental or or physical. So it's basically being in that moment. So if you're out photographing, if I'm out photographing on the on the sea on the on the the beach, then you know I'll be completely absorbed for those few few hours that I'm there. And you know how you can lose time when you're photographing, mm-hmm. yep. um, but you you're not all that time. You you're noticing the the light or the waves or the way the sky is changing, and you're really really observing that because you have to as a photographer. And 
during that time, you're not thinking, to put it from a simplistic angle, you're not thinking about the bills or the worries that you have. <laughs> well, hopefully you're not, but <laughs> um, uh-huh. your mind gets a break almost. So you come out of that feeling revitalized and probably everybody can empathize with that, actually. You know, when I say that, so you're actually practicing mindfulness just simply by going out photographing in nature. Well, well, let's pause for a moment on the back half, back half of that sentence, though, while photographing, because we can all go for a walk in the woods or a walk along the shore and find a new sense of calm, a new sense of peace. For the photographer, there is that act then of creation as well, that, that you are composing and, and capturing or whatever, you know, whatever verb you want, an image. What about photography is mindful beyond just feeling good from a walk on the shore? So the actual act, yeah, the actual act of creation. So I suppose that that comes back to that, um, the kind of thing that's, that's, you know, art therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. art, art and being creative in itself is, is good for us. We know that we've been, you know, we've been working with um, art therapy for, for many years for any type of mental unrest or anxiety or depression. It's, it's amazing. So the actual act of creativity is fantastic for that. So I think that, yeah, the, you're actually out there photographing and enjoying being in nature, but the uh, adding in that creating something from it, it's a way of, of outletting your, any negative emotions. It could be negative. It could be positive as well. But mostly if, you've, if you're feeling, um, anxious or, or anything, if you allow that to be released through your creativity, it's so powerful, isn't it? And I think that's something that we, that would help a lot of people actually. So I think that's a really, it's a really important thing to be talking about. Um, and that doesn't, so, that's, that includes photography. It includes all sorts of other creativity as well, but photography is a, a great <laughs> example of that. Because you're adding in the being outdoors, but then you're creating as well, so you're getting the, the double effect almost there. You know, I wonder about the, the early days with painters, and I know you began your academic career uh, with painting, but you know, a painter would go out in, and set up the tripod, set up the, the canvas in the field or whatever, and have to spend hours and hours and hours sketching out and starting to fill in what they saw. The photographer is a little captivated by speed. You know, one sixtieth of a second, we're done. Thank you. And away we go. I I love the fact that you say when you go out, you have to experience aloneness, not loneliness, but aloneness. How, How does aloneness influence your work as a photographer? Yeah, so I think that's all tied up in uh, a big bundle there, actually. So you're you're starting to pick that apart, which is really interesting because there's that <laughs> there's that um, there's that idea that as as a creative, aloneness is a positive state. So it doesn't mean that you can't be with others who are are interested in in that same thing as you, but. I certainly know that for myself, when I am out alone, it's, it opens up my creativity. So if I'm with other people, so say, for example, my family, I will not be, I'll definitely not be creative with my family there. So, um, this is tied up with my, my own introversion, I suppose. And not everybody is going to experience this the same as I do, but I think there'll be a large proportion who do. Um, I do also think that a lot of people don't allow themselves 
that time to be alone. So we're often trying to keep our families happy and quite understandably, they want, they want to be with us. Um, but mm-hmm. I do think it's really important that we all take the time that we need if that's how we create to be alone and to to take those trips solo or even uh, that's not excluding going on a workshop I don't think I think we're sort of when we're with like-minded people who are doing similar similar things who are you know dedicating that time that's okay Um, but for me definitely I take a lot of solo trips a lot of solo time and as I've done that through my life I've noticed it's, and it's not a coincidence, but I've noticed that my photography has improved leaps and bounds. When I was younger and my children were younger and I didn't have those opportunities, I wouldn't do that because it felt selfish almost to go off by myself at that point. But I have to emphasise that it is not selfish. <laughs> I, just, I don't want to use that word um, in relation to this because it's really not. It's so, so important to allow ourselves the time to go and be creative. You simply come back to your family a happier and more well-rounded person. So it's actually quite a giving thing. So yeah, as, as the years have gone on, I've allowed myself more and more time alone. And now I, um, I've just taken a trip actually to Harris. Um, and it was three weeks alone in a little apartment in the middle of nowhere. And your, my creativity just opens up. Everything, everything happens when I'm in that space by myself. Um, so it is valuable, very valuable. It, it is fantastic work. And uh, everybody, you've got to go online. You've simply got to Google Margaret Soroya, S-O-R-A-Y-A. And you will see a video from Harris, beautifully done. You will see all sorts of really, really compelling images. And, and, and Margaret, you're, you're preaching to the choir here because as we were speaking a little bit earlier, I have the good fortune uh, to go over to Scotland um, or have before COVID almost every year, always with a group of students. And I've never been there by myself. One of my giant bucket list things is to get over there without the band behind me and and really discover something better. You said your photography improved, but you're not talking about, you know, sharpness or focus or that kind of stuff. How, How did your photography improved as you spent more time dedicated to aloneness? That's a really good question. That um, I know we're not talking about sharpness. We probably will never talk about sharpness because um, <laughs> my, my photography has nothing to do with sharpness or everything being in focus. So yeah, we're getting um, there in a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on for that. So um, I think that I, I think that a lot of um, my photographic improvements are to do with my personal improvements. So I think that as you grow in understanding of yourself and you become more self-aware, then your photography naturally improves. And that might seem like people who are listening to this might be going, what is she talking about? But, but actually, I, I think that when we, when we're teaching photography in particular, people come along and they think that if they learn to uh, use a camera more or you do the technicals more, their photography will improve. And that is not right. I totally believe that your photography improves once you start to understand what it is you want to photograph, what it is you love personally and what it is you are attracted to. Because these are the things, these are the barriers that hold people back from really photographing in their own style, in their own way, and connecting to the 
the things that draw them because they're they're simply looking at other people's work or what is acceptable, um, what is going to get the most likes, etc. So, going back to your your question, I went on a bit of a roundabout there, but going back to your question, as I started to take more time alone, I did that because I started to understand that that's what I needed personally to be creative. But then I started to think, well, where do I want to f- to to take these times to be creative? What is it am I, am I really connected to? And it started to become obvious that it was the waves, the coast, the Scottish islands, because I feel so deeply connected to these, these things. And then when I started to understand it, I started to concentrate on, on that. My photography grew in um, authenticity, I suppose, and, and depth. Authenticity and depth and a voice. I mean, to, to say th- this is what I want to say about the landscapes that you're looking at. Your work is at the Basham Gallery, and, and they say some lovely things about you uh, online. They say, because of Soroya's strong use of scale and deliberate open space, one cannot help but wonder how to cultivate the same peacefulness and state of inner richness uh, that she's discovered in Scotland. Peacefulness and state of inner richness. You say you feel deeply connected to the Scottish coastline. Why? Have you, have you ever tried to figure out why that landscape speaks to you as intimately as it does? Yes, I have actually. And it's taken me so many years to understand this. It's, it's crazy. But We've but only really, got three hours here, Margaret. Uh, okay. <laughs> I will sum it up. <laughs> so um, essentially, I was brought up in um, Manchester. I was born and brought up in Manchester in the depths of the city. And I was very unhappy as a child. And um, I didn't enjoy the city whatsoever, <laughs> basically. So when we're on holidays, or some holidays, my my mother used to take us to Holland, to the coast, to my grandma's house, and we had these wonderfully um, free and happy times. So just a, a couple of months every year, um, but I was so happy, and I was in the, the in the water every single day. I was by the waves, and it was um, it was something that made me feel extremely happy. And I think that that has lived with me ever since. So um, I feel when I go back to the coast, I I feel that again. I think this is probably. I wonder if other people feel this as well but it, it you know it's very deep when it's a childhood um when it's a connection um that comes from your childhood I think that, that those times were so um important to me that I still feel that now so um and that has become uh, an obsession with me now so when I was um 20 I moved up to the north of Scotland and I discovered this amazing coastline so I think then the connection to this, the coast that I had back as a child, it just opened up um, the 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 thing that I love most, and that is waves and the coast. But the coast of Holland is not an awful lot like the coast of Scotland. No, it's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't think it. I don't think it really mattered at that point. It was the there was there was waves. There was freedom. There was sand, and I'm particularly drawn to sandy beaches with waves. Um, and I think that that formed the basis of of a love of this coast. And then when I got to Scotland, I formed a, a connection with the Scottish landscape. And I've been here for now twenty seven years, quite a long time. And um, I definitely feel that. That 
connection to the landscape in Scotland now because it's so quiet. It's so beautifully peaceful and quiet and remote. And I'd always yearned for that. I think it's the exact opposite of where I was brought up. So I think then we're putting those two things together and then I'm getting my, my perfect combination of, of like, uh, heaven for me because I, I just love being out here. Uh, and I just, I will go back time and time again. And it will be, it will be a lifelong project. I think people often say, you know, well, you can't do that forever. Well, I, I think the answer is just watch me then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. Um, I, I, I'm also really taken with the way you just described something. You said you went to the shore and there were, there was waves and freedom and sand. Two specifics and one philosophic, all, all in in the same clause. There is there is there a real difference for you between sort of the emotional and the stuff with atomic weight? Um, I think the emotional comes first for me. So I, I'm very much intuitive, I suppose, and I've learned to trust that intuition because I think that that will lead you to the right place. So, um, for instance, at um, age of 20, I was told by my university lecturers that I wasn't wasn't very good, should I say? I was just saying it wasn't very good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I was trying to be nice there, but I don't think well. Um, so, no, th- th- this is when you're still working with painting, though. Um, well, I was I was painting, and then I, I switched to photography actually after a right. couple of years. So it was a bit of both. I was told I wasn't very good either. So, <laughs> that makes no oh my, oh my! But that's because I was I was paint. So I was painting seascapes, and I was photographing seascapes. And we're talking age twenty, twenty one, twenty two, um, and I was doing that in a very intuitive way. So I, was, I knew I was connected. I didn't quite understand it. I probably couldn't have articulated like I can now, but I was doing that very intuitively. But because I was told that that was, uh, it was too pretty, it was too this, whatever, you know, didn't fit in with what they wanted. And because I was younger and more vulnerable and a little bit unconfident, no, a lot unconfident, um, I, I took that, <laughs> I took that to heart and I left it behind for too long. And now I've come back older and more more confident and more happy with who I am and what vision I actually want to, to present so I want to create and now I think that that intuition has just come back I'm doing the same thing that I did when I was 20 so I think the answer to that is I'm very much emotionally led to it to a subject the, the, the actual subject is I know now it's the sea and it's and it's seascapes but it, it's led by the emotion I find that fascinating. And one of the real discoveries for me personally is, is, is how often photographers talk about emotion and, and, and talk about philosophy or psychology or whatever, instead of I'm going after this oak leaf, that there is something deep core personal that we're all trying to express, whatever kind of uh, genre that we're in. Something else that the gallery said about you they say she offers a highly artistic interpretation of stormy seas, creating images which are akin to impressionist paintings. By slowing the shutter speed, Soroya creates gentle, quiet, and calm seas from wild, stormy, windscape days, often during winter when the beaches are deserted, all the while finding stillness in the process personally. And they hit one of the great, not contradictions, but compositional complexities of your work. You have very peaceful and peace-giving images of drama, 
of, of crashing waves of and, and not crashing waves, you know, like the ship's going to go down, but certainly not a glassed out sea on a summer day. Tell me, t- tell me how you work the dramatic into the peaceful. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really interesting that, isn't it? I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think that again we're going back to that emotion. So, if I'm on a, a beach as I was last week, and <laughs> we're getting hit in the face with hailstones and, and gale force oh winds, I feel oh quite, I feel happy, I feel energized by the waves that are rolling in there. I feel calm and content. So I know that's a contradiction, but it's more to do with portraying the feeling than the actual scene of of carnage and chaos, <laughs> which is going on around me. Um, so sometimes I will use a faster shutter speed to, to capture that, just, you know, the sheer force of it. But but to be honest with you, these slower shutter speeds uh, feel, feel they sit better with me. They 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 interpret how I'm feeling at, at that point. So does does that make sense to you? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Oh, absolutely. And, and it's not as if you're doing intentional camera movement or that kind of stuff. It is simply a, a slower, slightly slower shutter speed. But a, there's a whole different sense of scale, as they pointed out, of composition. You, you're allowing in the images that I've seen, uh, you're allowing for almost a kind of fluidity to become present in a still image. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think that is only that can only come from, again, going back to that intuitive way of working. It's not something I consciously have done over the years or created over the years. It's just something that's happened naturally and I've just allowed it to happen. Um, I don't go onto the beach so I think I'll get, I'll, I'll shoot with this semi wide and I really want to, you know, I, I, I don't do it from that way. I just, I just shoot intuitively, which is, is quite interesting really, I suppose. Oh, it is. And, and it's fantastic work. Let's jump over to your Instagram feed for a moment because th- there are some images there uh, that I think deserve to be called out. Thank um, you. <laughs> and like most Instagram images, it's really tough to, you know, they, they don't come with titles too often. No, that's but right. <laughs> there, there's one, it would be, what, the seventh in what I'm seeing right now. And it's simply a receding, a receding water from a shoreline. There's an incoming wave in the distance. There's a um, frothing wave in the midground. Do you see that picture? Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yes, I've got it now. Yes, it was just loading. I've got really bad internet here. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've got it. Yeah. Do you remember taking that picture? Do you remember why this one appealed to you? I do. Yes. Because it was only like a week and a half ago because, because okay. I tend to post in fairly real time because um, I think because I'm more connected to the images as I've experienced them, maybe. Um, so, so my Instagram feed is generally speaking what's happening at the time. So if I'm at home, you know, for a, a week or so and I'm not doing any photography, I tend not to post. Um, but it, but as it happens, I'm away on a, I'm probably away for the, the, like three months on different islands. Uh, and this was shot in, in Harris just um, a, about a week and a half to two weeks ago. Um, so this was during the time that I was alone actually for those three weeks. And um, it was very tricky conditions actually, because we just had a, a lot of wind every single day. And a lot of rain every single day as well. So, um, I was down on the beach and, um, it was kind of, I hadn't been out shooting that much, but I'd been, I went down to Luskintyre and the waves were just, just rolling in. And I just remember having that amazingly 
that's just elated time, but it feels quite soft and gentle to me. So I think that the reason that I, I love that one is because I, I think I, I suppose I remember the experience through them. I wonder if other people do that, but I, the, the experience that I had at the time is very much, very much important as, as to how I remember, it, how I like my images, should I say. And for me, that one's nice and soft and gentle and it feels very much like Harris, which is, Harris is a place that it, it, it's, you know, it almost feels like my, my second home to me. So I, I'm very connected to it. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. Is in, in this image, one of the things that I like having, I mean, I wasn't there. I can't recall the experience that you had. But in very soft colors, in very diffuse light, you've got this water both rushing away from me and then rushing toward me in the distance. You've got this middle ground of, of transition. There's a whole change in, in terms of tonal quality uh, from bottom to top. It, it's one of these pictures that first glance, you think, okay, there's a wave. You know, but you're not even done with the first glance before you're thinking, oh, there's a lot more going on here. And I find myself with this one and, and a couple others that, you know, that are clearly from uh, the same moment, um, really captivated by the, and here we go with the contradiction again, the tremendously peaceful, large energy <laughs> of, of the yeah. piece. Do, do you know that when you're shooting or are you just letting your heart and your, and your soul lead you to, hey, this might be good? Honestly, I am, I am just allowing myself to, to create what, whatever feels right to me at that time. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you look back on your work, isn't it? And you're trying to, um, explain what was going on at the time, but I'm very much, and I've learned to do this over the years to not overthink it. Cause I do think that when, when you overthink it, it just, it, it ruins for me anyway, it ruins that moment. And for me, I, I, I'm just, I'm just letting myself go and to, and, and to play with it as well. And, um, you know, these waves were rushing towards me and rushing away. And um, I think that one, you know, a lot of the time the, the, the waves do actually get me. So I'm kind of like standing up to my <laughs> knees in water and they, they're sometimes the best images. Um, and I'm saying that, I suppose, with a smile on my face because, you know, I'm enjoying that experience. It's, it's funny. Also with that particular image, just the, I don't know if you can see here, but the, there's spin drift coming off the top of it. So yes, that means that, yes. that we have, yeah, so we have the right wind conditions, which is crucial. And and I love spin drift. It's one of the things that I, I'm always in search of. Um, so for me to have seen that I, at that point, I know I would have been just, that would have been it for me. That's, that's, that's it. That's happiness in a day for me. So. <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question there. I just I just went on about what I enjoy, but I think that's the point, isn't it? I think that we we need to let go a little bit and and enjoy, and, and then we can be drawn to 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 the thing that really means a lot to us. So um, if we enjoy and we're happy and we're drawn to something, then go with it and and, and enjoy it and play and create. 
In the um, Basham Gallery collection of your work, a lot of the images are more summery, you know, not quite as as moody as winter shots. Is is that their choice? Is that just a different phase of your work? And here's the summer shots versus the winter ones, which are around the corner. Um, or is there a season that affects your work? Yeah, I think um, the the Bosom collection. A lot of it was their choice. Uh, to, you know, so they were they were selecting the the for the collection. But I think as well that it was also slightly earlier. So a few years a few years ago, where I wasn't able to take as much time as I as I can now. Um, so I am literally taking more time in the winter months over on the island. So I think it was literally to do with it. You know, that sort of that sort of time that I was shooting and and when the, that collection was chosen. There is a shot from that collection that I would like to talk about if you've got it open at the moment. This is the Isle of Harris Study 3 from 2017. In in this image, uh, which is very much like the one we were just talking about, you have the receding wave, you have the spin drift, you have the incoming wave. And a moment later, you realize, oh my, there's a whole big range of mountains uh, off there in the background. Tell me about subtlety, the, the the power of subtlety, and and tell me a little bit of tech. I mean, did you put an ND filter on the top of this? Is this post production, or is this the way that day looked? Oh yeah, sure. So um, this is actually the same exact same location as the image you were talking um, uh-huh. a minute ago. <laughs> so just different different conditions. Now I love uh, this particular beach because it's it changes. Every time you go there, you can go there, you know, from one morning to an afternoon and it's changed. And the, this mountain range in the background is, is the thing that uh, makes it stand out. Um, and yeah, it gives you that extra factor. Now, there's this one, the Isle of Study 3, is, is during a, a rainstorm that was coming over. But what I love about this and the island is that you still, no matter whether there is rain or cloud or whatever the conditions, you still get this turquoise that comes through in the water. So it, that's what drew me to this this particular day. The waves were amazing, but we still have these this lovely turquoise colour. So in terms of the tech, I'm quite simplistic in the way that I shoot, um, and <laughs> I, although I do know what I'm doing, it just doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it's probably I've probably got to the point where it doesn't really interfere with the intuitive part so it's it's kind of natural to me but basically i'm always shooting with a, a six stop nd filter and on a tripod okay. and it's very very simple um so no no technical wizardry there not much editing i don't i don't like to spend a lot of time at the um the computer mm-hmm. and yeah i'll just show that slow that shutter speed down a little bit but not not too much so that there's no wave left oh man it it, it is beautiful beautiful work Margaret, you describe yourself over and over and over as an introvert, and yes. yet you lead workshops <laughs> and you have a podcast. And I mean, you are very invested in teaching as well. Tell me about your role as a teacher. What is it you're trying to give the rest of the world beyond your artwork? What What are you after with your podcast, with your workshops, with the generosity that you are bringing to the photographic world? Yeah, I, I really love this question because I think it, it's really important to get to get into this actually because it's something that I feel um, very passionate about. So 
first of all, the introvert bit. <laughs> so I am an introvert. I am very introverted, actually. And that simply means that I need a lot of solar time to regenerate. It doesn't mean that I can't speak. It doesn't mean that I'm not confident. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of people, so there's a lot of preconceptions that people have when you say an introvert. Um, but, but none of those are necessarily true. <laughs> it, it certainly means that I can speak at length on things that I'm passionate about. Um, it, does mean that I'm not so good at chit chat and I, oh, I can't be bothered with it, quite frankly. But I, when it's something that I feel strongly about, like photography and mindfulness and these, I love getting into conversations like that. And um, I think it's really important to do that. The workshop side of things came in about four years ago when I started my Quiet Landscapes business. And the idea behind it was um, kind of to, to introduce a a slightly different model into the into the way of leading workshops because there's a lot of workshops out there and they're all valid in their own way but certainly me as a sort of uh, softer gentler maybe you know quieter person I, I attract that as well so it gives other people opportunity to to come along secondly I love taking people to the places that I love so there's nothing better <laughs> than helping helping other people to see these places because sometimes I go to these places uh, like Harris and, uh, um, you know, Lewis and Orkney. And I'm standing there alone and I'm going, oh, nobody else is seeing this. Um, and it's a great gift, isn't it, to be able to show other people, other people that. But I think the most important thing for me is that I think that we all have a, a purpose in life. And I'm very, very driven to help other people make time for creativity and to show them that um, it's essential for well-being. It's where we started this podcast, actually. Um, but the, the well-being aspect of it, and and this comes from, if you don't mind me taking a little bit of a, a, no, a trip word. back back in history, it yeah. comes from it comes from the the idea that um, when you find something that's so painful to you, and you get over it, you want to help other people that are going through that same thing, and you, and. You know, the thing for me that was painful was that when um, when I said that I left university, I went on to get married and have children, and I left my cameras alone. <laughs> and they they went in the cupboard, um, and they didn't come out again. And I also left myself there as well. I think because I didn't I didn't allow myself any time or um, anything that would would be good for me and. When we look at creativity as being good for you, um, you know, that was, that was a massive chunk of my life that was sort of, you know, away for a long time. And I became physically not well. Um, I've always been fairly, um, robust mentally, but physically, um, it, it shows and, and it's really interesting. Actually, there's a film called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Have you ever, have you ever he- heard of it or seen it? No, but no, it's no. on my list now. Oh, yeah, yeah, put it on your lift. And and she, and she's an, an architect who who a very talented architect who doesn't do her architecture for for many years, and you see her, you know, suffering um, mentally for, for, from it. Um, but similar to that, I think I was suffering physically because I wasn't allowing my creativity out. And I do believe that there's a lot of people who do that, and I want to help them. When you were away from photography, did you know you were away from it? 
Yeah, it was a conscious decision, actually. Well, okay. and, and it was a ridiculous conscious decision because, <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, well, why did I do that? But it, it was a decision like, oh, well, like, I don't have time for that now because I've got children. I, I've got, I've got to, you know, do this. I've got to, I was a chef for a while. I mean, it was ridiculous, but, <laughs> but it was just the way that my life went. It went in the wrong direction for many years without me controlling it consciously. And I was making choices that were wrong, um, for me and I lost myself. So this sort of ended very sharply at the age of 35 when I got divorced and I went, I looked at my life and went, this is just not not right. So I, I did actually walk away from everything and um, start again and start, you know, living a life that, that, you know, is in line with the things that I value and love in life. And that's really, really important. Um, so um, to come back so, to the workshop thing, <laughs> I think that a lot of people do that and they put themselves last and I want to help them put themselves first and their creativity first. That that is magnificent, but but I have to ask: Was there a, a Tuesday afternoon where you rediscovered one of the cameras in the cupboard and said, "Aha, there's my old friend"? Or how how did the camera come back into your hands? Yeah, so it came in uh, just before. It was a few years before I actually got divorced and, and started a new life. So a few years prior to that, I'd realized that something was wrong um, and I needed something for myself because I was literally just, you know, looking after the kids and, and, and that's hard. It's really hard being a, being a mum. I know it wasn't fulfilled and I was tired and I was exhausted and all of that and I needed something for me. But what it did was I started a wedding business. So, you know, that was great and I'm forever grateful for that because it's led me to where I am now and it's, it's facilitated my um, journey into back into landscape photography because you know without putting too fine a point on it we I didn't have I didn't have any money back then and that was a big thing for me we had we we didn't have much at all and I started the business to earn an income so that business sort of sort of you know was I was basically running then I, I found myself then being you know exhausted and running a wedding photography business which wasn't fulfilling me but it's led me <laughs> it's led me into landscape photography in a long-winded way which is amazing uh, but but the point that I yeah the Tuesday afternoon the point that I realized that I needed to do that was it was actually to do with surfing because I used to surf and I'd sold everything up and I, I was like um I'd I don't know whether I should say this or not, but I, I'm going to. I said, oh, I think I, to my husband, I said, I think I, I, want, I want to start surfing again. And he said, you're a bit old for that. Now, I was 34 <laughs> and that was it for me. That was it. And then, and then I, ch I changed <laughs> I changed everything. I was like, no, this is wrong. Um, so, yeah, so everything changed then and I started to discover myself. I started to realise I needed to go back into landscape photography. I needed it, you know, and it's it's been an amazing journey ever since. It's been long. Um, it's taken me a long time to get where I am now because it doesn't happen overnight. But um, I'm so, so happy that I did. Well, several things that, that I want to talk about here. And, and we got to make a nod to your wedding business. And, and gang, this is a slightly different website. Uh, it's soroyaphoto.com, S-O-R-A-Y-A, photo, all is one word, dot com. Beautiful, beautiful wedding images here. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on the wedding side, but that's completely different than landscape photography. It, is it fulfilling at all these days? Is it something that, you know, you find different than other wedding photographers are doing? 
Yeah. So what, what I did after, um, I've, I've been doing that 18 years now. So after a long time, after many, many years, and then realizing that actually, I don't, you know, this is just, it's just like being a, like a hamster on a treadmill shooting, of shooting 50 weddings a year and going, Oh, I don't, I really, it doesn't feel right. Something's not fit. Again, we're going back to feelings. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. It's not aligned with what I think is, um, wonderful in life. So what I did was I, I started shooting elopements. And this is how it feeds into the landscape business because I started shooting beach weddings on the well, island. No, wait, wait. Elopements are supposed to be secret in the middle of the night. There's <laughs> supposed to be a ladder against the wall. And how do you photograph elopements? Well, it's become a thing. So uh, well, it did become a thing. And I'd say it was about 10 years ago. So maybe the word elopements, I don't know. It's, it's maybe it's a funny connotation. Isn't it? We're talking, so we're talking two people getting, getting away by themselves to get married on a beach. On the Isle, mostly I started with the Isle of Harris, I also do the Isle of Skye. So they have a simple ceremony on the beach, even if it's raining, and um, have their photos taken after. So we're at one or two hour coverage. It's wonderful. It's like it's two people. It's about them and about what they, they obviously, they usually love the outdoors. So they've got wellies on or what, whatnot. They're not faffing about with high <laughs> heels, which I just can't stand. And, um, and all the bits that go on, you know, wedding tables, all those silly little things. I hope I'm not offending anybody, <laughs> but, but you know, I don't, I'm, I'm an outdoor person. So, so I found that as I was photographing these people, because we were, we, we understood the same thing that I, I was able to do it in a way that was really natural and, and genuine. And, and I did really well at it. So then I found myself being taken to the, being paid to go to these places like the Isle of Harris and then starting to photograph the landscape. So it did naturally come from that. It was, it's not been easy. I've been trying to do this while, whilst bringing up two boys as well. <laughs> so, and sometimes I don't really know where I am, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's worked in that it's led me back to, to the landscape photography that I truly love. And in some way, you know, I, I don't mind the weddings at all. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, there there might be a dark side to this, Margaret. I think there's probably a couple hundred people out there right now who are going, that's such a cool idea. I think you could probably <laughs> just created a bunch of competition for yourself here with elopement photography. <laughs> I don't I don't mind. I think we I think we should all, you know, we're all in this together, aren't we, as photographers? So we should all share and help each other. So I don't mind that at all. <laughs> you you have a beautiful book, and you know, and you know, I think it's put out by the gallery, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got the whole collection in it. It it is just stunning, stunning work. You also have a big workshop coming up, you know. And and so, tell me what's going on. Last week in October, you're gathering what two, three hundred thousand people in Scotland. No, the no. <laughs> you, 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 you've <laughs> not, got you've quite. got a big you, 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 no, but but you, you've gone up up in size a little bit for this one. Tell us what's going on. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm, I, I like creating new things. I'm kind of, sometimes I drive myself mad and I think, will you, will you just stop and be happy with what you've got? But actually, I find it, I find it really interesting to, to do these new things. So this, this was actually born out of an idea that came from, from actually from, if we go way back during the COVID times when everything was shut down, what I did was I created um, an online 
membership. So kind of like a camera club, but, you know, a monthly teaching because we couldn't meet and all these people were looking. Um, I could sort of sense people looking for somebody to lead them creatively and, and inspire them. So I created this membership called Creative Haven. And um, last year, I was thinking we really need to do a meetup. So we need to have somewhere that, you know, because they, they, they can't all come on workshops. Not everybody can do that. Um, so and I thought, well, what about if it was a, you know, a two-day event or something? And then I thought, well, if it's in the north of Scotland, it's a long way to go for, for just two days. So I made it slightly bigger. And then I thought, right, okay, we'll just make it, we'll just open it out and it'll be a festival. Um, so it's it's called Creative Light and um, it's taking place around the corner from my house, which is quite handily in one of the most beautiful areas in Scotland. So I live in uh, Drumna Jocket, which is really close to the likes of Glen Affric. And during the autumn, which is like end of October, we get these beautiful leaves turning and and we've got these loads of locks so yeah so there's it's 50 people so it's not it's not 20,000 but there's 50 people and I'm gathering um other photographers who um work in the same sort of vein as I do so we're, we're talking more creative photography as opposed to traditional and I'm also bringing in some people who are doing bookbinding and, and things like that. So it's slightly different. And the idea was to, again, to help people just open up their creativity. So it's not necessarily, to call it hardcore photography, it's not necessarily all about that. Um, there's there's other things like smartphone photography and bookbinding. So, yeah, so it's it's a gathering and, and that'll open it up to us. It's more open to people than to just lots of workshops. And the idea is to run it this year and then see and maybe make it bigger next year i boy i would love to be there because the last week of october that's when i've had the good fortune to be over there i can personally testify that that is a, a, a soul changing beautiful time of year uh up in the highlands oh, it's um, amazing yeah it is uh margaret last question you talk about mindfulness you talk about quiet landscapes you talk about peacefulness um you know and and, and finding an inner sense of peace and stuff have you, have you ever see, watched people watch or, or look at your work? Have, have you ever, you know, tried to gauge how people are responding? And, and what do you want people to take away from encountering one of your images? Do you know, I don't know that I've ever thought about that, actually. You know, that's a really interesting question because I suppose I just, I just shoot for myself and I haven't really thought about the the power of that for the the viewer, I suppose. I think the the concepts and the ideas I think about a lot. So you know, we've been talking about all these um, the, these concepts. They're really really important to me, and I think it's really important to to bring that across. But the actual work, I, I don't know because I've I just shoot very um, very much for myself without consideration of of what everybody else wants from it and it's a nice thought that it's a it's probably a bonus thought that people feel peaceful and in, enjoy the work F for me you know that's on top of all the other things that we've talked about but i hadn't actually really thought about that <laughs> <laughs> well from this audience members uh point of view the, the work is absolutely magnificent. I, I, you, I, I literally like an impressionist painting. I stand there, I look at it, and there's something in me that that's called up that I haven't really dealt with before or thought about. And it, it teaches me an awful lot about myself to encounter your work and your vision of the landscape. Thank you so much. That's lovely. Thank you. <laughs>
<laughs> this has been really, really interesting. Thank you, Margaret. This has been great. That's a real pleasure. Thank you. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com. <laughs>